I'm Dwayne Brummett, he's Ali Albarigo, and this is the School Owner Talk Podcast. Hey guys, Ali Albarigo here. I am going live today without my podcast partner, Dwayne. Um, I thought of taking the day off and taking a break as well, but I thought, hey, let me just get on for a little bit and do a quick chat. And recently I have been, um, I came in contact with a TV show. I started watching a show called Undercover Billionaire. And luckily by accident, I started with season two. And I'm glad I did because I discovered a man named Grant Cardone who was on the show. And if you don't know the premise of the show, um, it's a contest between three people. Um, They're highly wealthy, highly successful, talented business experts. Two of them are women. One of them are a man. And on season two, um, the man is the one and only Grant Cardone, who I've never heard of before this. uh, But he wrote the best-selling book, you know, uh, 10X. And he's also known for his live talks and seminars on wealth and real estate investment and so on and um, you know by the way I want to warn you I I have my kitchen being redone so if you can please tolerate the hammering and maybe some soaring if it comes up I asked them uh, to try to be as best as possible but they got to do their job so you might hear some noise so so now anyway I'm I'm a fan of this show undercover billionaire and um, you know I've also started listening to uh, Grant's podcast as well. And I listen to him on the way to and from the dojo. And I figure, you know, if I have a few minutes rather than just listen to music, which I love to do, I want to learn things that I can learn, um, listening to things that are relevant. And uh, anyway, I'm on one of his podcasts uh, today and yesterday, and it's about being better at sales. And he spoke about a few things that I thought were really relevant to the martial art industry. Now, Dwayne and I are always talking about uh, or, or make it, we have a saying that you know we, we kind of stole, but we use all the time. It's called, you don't know what you don't know. And the first time I heard this, I was at a, a tactical firearms training seminar in Pahrump, Vegas, uh, Las Vegas. And um, at the front site, uh, uh, it's a tactical firearms training center, which is massive. And um, one of the instructors doing a classroom sit down and he said, yeah, you know, a very common military term is you don't know what you don't know. And that thing stuck in my head and I've been saying it for over, you know, 10 years, 15 years since I was there. And it always rings true. Um, but to be honest, um, it's a very evasive concept in our world today. And uh, by the way, there's another saying that you probably have heard that I kind of debunk and it's common sense. The saying is it's common sense when the reality is that um, common sense is not so common. And let me tell you a quick story. If you think about it, um, you know, where do you learn common sense? You know, it's not something that you're born with, right? So there's a story of a guy that I read, and this is a true story. Um, I forget what what jungle, Panama or, you know, somewhere. And he was a uh, oil worker uh, and he would every day take his lunch break, go out to the jungle um, for peace and quiet. And he'd eat his lunch and take a nap until one time he never came back. And they sent out a search party um, and they found him, but he was in the belly of this massive boa constrictor. 
um, that was on the same log sunning itself after it had a great meal, which was the, the individual. The boa had eaten the guy. Um, the man, of course, didn't learn, uh, you know, that rule of common sense, right? They didn't understand it. They didn't get it. So um, the, the whole law of common sense is not so common is pretty true especially for this poor guy who got eaten by a boa constrictor. Now, one thing, though, that I love, uh, you know, listening to uh, Grant Cardone and his, his group is called the Cardone Capital, I believe, Grant Cardone Capital Group. Um, he talked about some downfalls of business people, and he said that uh, laziness is one of the biggest downfalls of most salespeople or, and successful business owners. And However, he doesn't equate laziness to actually being lazy because if you run a business, it's kind of hard to be lazy, right? You you get up every morning, you go do your job. Even if you're self-employed and you're the only employee, you're doing it all. If, you're, if you have people working for you, you're managing employees and probably doing a good majority of the work as well. So he doesn't equate laziness to uh, being a business owner, but he equates laziness to actually being the object of avoidance, right? He said that people avoid doing things um, that are least comfortable for themselves, right? Or when they are not sure how to get started or schedule out their day, um, inevitably they don't do the things that are necessary. Inevitably, it's not laziness. It's simply not knowing what you don't know, right? And it goes back to that saying that Dwayne and I have talked about for years. So in essence, if you have tasks that you have to do, but you dislike them or you hate them, most probably you're not going to do them. Right. In fact, this happens with everything. If you're afraid of failure, let's say you're a martial artist and you're afraid to compete because if you don't compete, you might if you do compete, you may fail. Um, that uncertainty is what's going to stop you from accomplishing what you need to accomplish. Right. And, th and that's the big problem. Right. We need to understand that sometimes our fear or the uncertainty makes us feel uncomfortable. And maybe we believe that if we did try it because we're not good at it or we're unsure if we're as good as we are, then we might fail. So then the thought of doing that task becomes paralyzing and you avoid it, you know, like the plague as much as you can. Now, I, I love what Grant had said, too. He said, I love the concept of avoiding failure. Um, but he suggested it and I suggest doing it in an entirely different way. Now. You've probably heard of this. It's called the KPA, which are key performance areas. It's also like KPI, key performance indicators. But the key KPA are the key performance areas of running your school. And um, I want to give you uh, at least five of them that I think that are essential that you need to focus on. And by the way, we'll talk about if you can't do it, how to get it done. But at the same time, I want you to focus on these five, five tasks. And that's really all there are. Of course, each task could have multiple layers. Each task could have multiple, you know, tasks within that. But if you just follow the concept of these five tasks, it's undeniable that you'll have a successful school, right? So number one, marketing and branding and the search for new students. Pretty simple, right? Marketing and branding and the search for new students. Number two, onboarding new students, right? What that means is is uh, indoctrinating those students into your school so that they become raving fans, giving them all the information up front that you know they need before they ask the question 
so that they're able to be good students and they're able to understand what's going on and they're never going to turn on you and say oh well if i didn't know what you know that if i knew that ahead of time i wouldn't have gotten angry or whatever so number two is the onboarding new students that they're indoctrinated into your school and they become raving fans from the get-go right number three keeping the existing students interested and motivated and thriving to keep coming back and progressing now think about this there's an old saying it's the three s's of a class sweating you want to keep the students sweating smiling and striving for more when can i come back when can i learn that next move so keeping those existing students interested and motivated and thriving is the second key first is new students now we're talking about existing students and this of course obviously has a massive amount to do with retention and keeping those students for the long term or as long as you possibly can now um number four this one's a little bit more detailed and it probably has many other things within it but it's setting up systems to upgrade and for advancement in your school now i know of a lot of people i coach a bunch of clients sometimes some of them don't want upgrades they want straight tuition straight classes their life is simple and that's fine However, I think it's imperative that we give opportunity to students and sometimes a school owner look at upgrades as a way to sell more or make more money or have clients pay more. And while that's true to some extent, the real goal is to keep them excited and moving forward, right? If you have an upgrade program, whether it be leadership team, black belt club, SWAT team, whatever you call it, these programs should be designed to keep people excited and motivated. If you have a program and you just have surface bells and whistles, meaning like, um, you know, uh, you get a fancy uniform and you get this or you get that, but the, the crux of the program is quite dull and boring, people will see that as nothing more than a money grab. But if you have a, a balance and you have this unbelievable kind of value stack of what they get for being in the program, and I don't mean get from tangible things like a new uniform or a new gear bag or whatever, but like what they're learning and what they're doing that separates them from the rest. That's why they're the leadership team or the SWAT team because they do more, they train more, they practice more. Does that make sense? Now, the last one, and by the way, I'll keep going on a few things and I promise not to keep you super long. Um, the last one, and it's the last but not least, is retail and special events, right? So I'm probably preaching to the choir for a bunch of people that are listening right now, but when you think about it, it is, um, you know, it's all about um, finding what is needed for your clientele. So in the last, just the f number three and number five, I talked about, you know, these things. Um, and uh, I'm sorry, number three and number two. Um, but we're, we have to keep our students engaged, right? And giving them the opportunity to expand their training. And then we want them to buy into the culture, right? So meaning like, what is your brand? What is your culture? Um, we want them to get the necessary gear, the necessary branded t-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, whatever the case may be. Um, and be able to be proud of what they do, right? To be able to wear that clothing outside to a restaurant or to their friend's house with pride, right? Just like someone would wear a UFC shirt or their favorite fighter's t-shirt or, you know, something else that has a name brand to it. Um, at times, most school owners have a very dismal retail operation they don't really sell much and they look at retail as an inconvenience but i look at retail as a branding opportunity and of course again it's not secondary but of course it's something that you could make money on as well but that's not the most important thing it's about having people being able to 
get involved and be proud of the culture that you've designed. Okay, so I started with the saying, you don't know what you don't know. And, and what does that really mean? So simply the answer is, and, and um, how will you ever know something if you've never learned it, right? How do you know? It's not common sense. You're not born with this inherent ability to do certain things. If you've never learned it, how could you know it? And by the way, how could you know what you don't know? How could you know what's missing if you've never been told that, right? So like, for example, if you buy real estate and it's your first real estate deal, we normally, and you're, maybe you're just a homeowner buying a house, but you have no one to teach you who has been through the ropes of buying real estate. You rely on people like maybe your engineer or your house inspector or your attorney, um, but none of those people, and then you rely on the real estate agent to help you get a deal or find a place when in reality, most of those people are really not looking for your best interest, looking out for your best interest. They all want to make money. They all want you to pay them. But imagine you could hire a real estate mentor and a coach to teach you how to do things. I'm going to take a quick sip of my coffee. So imagine this. Imagine you have a house that you want to buy. And, and by the way, I've done this with a few of my clients that I coach in business that are now buying real estate. And I had one client in specific during COVID, they had a little bit of an issue with um, getting and securing a loan. It was taking forever. Like, you know, and, and this guy found a property and um, he really wanted to buy the property, but he couldn't secure the loan. So he was like, oh, well, I guess I'm going to lose out on that deal. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why would you lose out on that deal? He's like, well, I can't get the loan, so I can't buy that. And I'm like, no, there are other ways that we could do this. Number one, um, you could do owner financing and ask the people who own the house if they have enough equity or they own it outright, maybe they'll hold a note. And you could do like a three to five year term you know every uh, in three years you, you know you pay them the mortgage in three years you give them a big balloon payment or you could structure it in so many appealing ways that would be really appealing to an owner that has money that's looking to maybe make an investment on his their money you know the, at some high interest rates um, or or you might be able to um, you know do other types of deals and, and this particular client of mine was able to go to their his family and say hey mom and dad you have all this money sitting in the bank and you're only making like you know two percent on average maybe that if that um, how about you loan me the the money and I will then in turn pay you a four percent interest rate which is higher than what you're getting and he secured the money immediately and bought the property but at that point where he felt like he ran into a dead end because he didn't have the knowledge he was going to let the deal go so I helped him get through that and make it work and now he's got another um, two rental income property that he puts in his portfolio and he's buying real estate you know as as we speak all right so anyway um we don't want to be that person who gets eaten by the snake or loses that business deal or isn't able to make uh you know make things work because they just feel it they don't understand and that's the whole you don't know what you don't know so here's my three steps um to learning things you don't know number one find a peer group of individuals that have been where you want to go not a peer group of individuals that are where you are right now but this is and there's a huge difference right we want to make sure we hang around with like-minded people for fun but we want to involve ourselves with people that could mentorship us you know give a mentor us um that are way more successful than us in fact i used to be in a group 
and um, it was a mentorship group. And, and, you know, they let you in the group depending on your income. So I was in the, you know, the third tier of income and I was with many people with that same tier of income. Like, and they were all different businesses, not martial arts schools, construction, gyms, all different things. Anyway, long story short, I, I felt that I was just in a group with guys that were doing the same exact thing as me. They were at the same mindset as me. So I asked the coaching group, I said, can I get snuck into the group of the people who are doing way more than me? Oh, no, that's not how we work. And I said, well, how am I going to learn when I'm stuck with people that I am at the same level with, right? It's almost like we're never going to get better in the martial arts if we don't have an instructor that knows more than us, right? If we're just training with like-minded people at the same skill level, we're not going anywhere. So you want to make sure that you have a peer group of people that could really take you to the next level, right? And teach you how to do better. And number two, I highly suggest finding a mentor. Everyone needs a coach. Doesn't matter what level you're at. I remember hearing the band Aerosmith um, when they were going through many struggles back in the 80s with addiction and all this other stuff. They, they sought out Tony Robbins and Tony Robbins became their coach and had to stay motivated and, and positive things. And so they found these are world-renowned, famous people making tons of money they found a coach that could help get them on track right so I say find a mentor um, everyone needs to see if they could get somebody out there and, and let me be clear that not every coach is going to be doing exactly what you're doing like for example um an Olympic judo coach might not be able to do triple back somersaults and a spinning twist and land on the floor perfectly, but he most certainly can coach someone to do that. So for example, a lot of times when people ask me to coach them, their first question is, well, how many students do you have? And I said, well, let me ask you why you feel that that's relevant. Well, if I have 150 students and you have 150 students, how can you teach me? But that's not the way things work, right? It's not necessarily only about that. It's about seeing what you have, the fatal flaws, the holes in the bucket, the areas that you're not able to do things in your own business and you're missing that someone else, a mentor or a coach that's been doing this for a long time can show you. So if you find one that is in the trenches with you that's running their school on a day-to-day -day basis, that's even better. But if you find someone who's been through it already and has done it all and maybe sold his school and retired and is not doing it anymore but did do it, that's a great coach and you should allow them to help you. And by the way, you have to find a coach that you respect, right? And you have to allow them to mentor you in a way where you're going to listen to them, similar to like a sensei, right? The um, There's been there's, there's some comments of the description of what sensei means and it means the one who's come before you like a teacher someone who's gained knowledge that could share that knowledge with you and um, you want to find someone that you respect to the point where that they will tell you stuff and keep you accountable and and make sure that you do what you're doing for example i take guitar lessons and that my teacher is like world renowned he you know he tours he's played with famous bands he's a virtuoso and all you know like when we miss a lesson he's off on tour shooting a video you know recording an album um and he's a rock star and uh he's super hard though like if i if i don't get my lesson down within one week the next week i come back he tells me so like he doesn't sugarcoat anything sometimes i get actual anxiety before the guitar lesson i practice before so that i impress him and um he'll tell me like it is i'm not saying that uh i like it all the time but it does hold me accountable
you know, he'll say, I'm, I'm just not impressed with your progress. We like wasted a week. And I, meanwhile, I play guitar all the time so that I could impress him. And I respect him so much that I want to impress him. So I will not only practice for my own well-being, but I'll also practice to make sure that he's happy with the lesson. So my mentor is that person that's going to push me to heights that I've never had been pushed before my martial art teachers did that to me all the time man we went through i went through things that you know hey put it there's no joke put a knife in your mouth real sharp knife and i want you to dive rolling over that stick in a demonstration and we would do it and then we throw the knife to the other guy and they'd catch the knife put it in there and do the same thing it was crazy outlandish stuff that he didn't give us enough time for us to process. We would just listen because that's what we did. And then we'd come out of there going, feeling like superhuman in a way, going like, I can't believe that I was able to do this. And and it was, you know, I, I went to heights that I would have never gone to if I had been able to pick and choose the lessons. And by the way, for those of you who are listening, students do that all the time. I don't want to go to a tournament. It's not my thing. And I'm like, but you would do good if you went. Yeah, it's okay. It's just not my, and they pick and choose what they want to learn. So we'll they ever be like we were when our teacher said do it and we did it and didn't question even though we hated it maybe or didn't want to do it so the real thing is to find you know successful people a mentor that could really help you get to where you got to go number three look at successful people and model model yourself after them um, find out what they're doing to succeed read books on it try to find out people read books on how to improve yourself um, you know find out if they're already doing it follow them do what they're doing you know and and maybe adapt it to what you do but it's best that if you could come become friends with them or at least at a minimal level be able to reach out and say hey i'm stuck at this point or doing that how can i how can i do this and i have that with my guitar instructor too i'm like hey listen i am having a problem he says just practice it this way you know he doesn't spend a lot of time with me in between lessons but he'll say do it this way it'll help you and it, and it, quite often that little tidbit of information will change how things are so look at successful people and model them. Number four is time management. And this is a huge one. And I find it to be a huge reason why so many people fail uh, or they don't scale their business to their potential. They're caught up in the day-to-day. -day. We call it being caught up in the thick of things or caught up in the hamster wheel, constantly jumping in the wheel and running and then getting out and going home and then repeating the process every day after that. Um, things that are easy, we tend to do right away. Things that are hard, we tend to push off. Um, so the, so we'll say, oh, I'll get to that. That's a big project. That's a tough one. I'll get to that at the end of the week. And we push it off and keep pushing it off, and we don't get it done. And we might appear lazy, but the reason why we're doing that is um, we're, we're not following our key performance areas, right? We're not doing what's most important to the growth of our business. Um, we're hardly getting those things done on a regular basis. And um, we always use the excuse, oh, we're too busy. I can't think about that now. I have so much on my plate. I had a hard week, a hard day. And all of those things are, I want to, I'm going to say it two different ways and you're going to hear how harsh it sounds one way versus how it, how it really is. Um, then you're just making excuses and you're lazy. That's the harsh way. Stop being a baby, my teacher would tell me, right, in the martial arts. Um, but the reality is, is that um, we're hardly getting those things done because we can't wrap our head around it uh, and we're not understanding it. So we should learn how to be masters of our time and task management um, to be able to function in our key performance areas so that we get the things done that are necessary to the growth. Now, I'm going to kind of quickly wrap this up with number five and it's last but not least um, 
you know, if you hate something so much and you you refuse to do it, like I have one friend online that listens to our podcast, and if he hears this, he'll probably go, "You're talking about me." Um, but uh, but re the reality is, he just can't stand selling. Everything about it, for some reason in his life, he got a bad taste for selling. It really bothers him. Somehow, it conflicts with his personal belief system. I've tried to shift perspective and give him a new paradigm, but what the bottom line result is this. For him, if that's what he hates and he can't stomach doing that task, the only choice he has is to find someone to do it for him. Because we know without selling, we're not gonna get new students. Without you know, the business side, we're not gonna be able to keep our school open. And then our dream disappears because we love our martial art and we wanna share and spread the martial art, but yet we don't run our business professionally. So in turn, we end up going out of business because we're shooting ourselves in the foot because we have shortfalls. And where we recognize them, but we do nothing about them. We, where I, I coined this phrase, the ostrich syndrome, where, you know, people just hide their heads in the sand, hoping that when they take it out and dust themselves off, all all the things that bothered them will have gone away. All the fears, all the worries, all the bad things, right? But the reality is you just pop your head out of the sand and shake it off and those things are still probably going to be waiting for you. Maybe not immediately. Maybe they passed you by, but you're soon going to you're soon going to catch up to them and have to deal with them. So, um it's very important to understand that, you know, you know, you got to find the people to do the things that you don't like so those key performance areas get done. Um, if you need more members, but you hate the process, then it's simple. Find a program manager, a salesperson that could do that for you. If you hate doing follow-up, you're too busy. You're constantly coming up with a reason. I was about to say making excuses, but coming up a reason why you can't get to that, then it's simple. Just find someone that can do it for you that's better than you at it. Because sometimes as martial artists, we have to admit, and whether you want to do it or not, um, I, I have to admit it, is that you know our ego sometimes get in the way, right? Our ego, like, oh, I should be able to do all this myself, or I should know how to do all those things, or I'm not going to do those things because you know it's not interesting to me, or I don't like those things. Uh, um, you know. So anyway, I, I hopefully this will have helped you guys. I've had some guests on here, Jonathan Stroud, who's a great guy, one of our sponsors. Um, you know, uh, Ryan Blanchard, my good buddy, we, we've worked together for many, many, many years. He said, you need someone to get you out of your comfort zone, which is so true. And by the way, I'm really kind of wrapped up in my comfort zone right now. I found, a, you know, I'm 57. My mindset is like, hey, I'm exactly where I want to be. I'm happy. I push myself to grow and run a good school, um, but I want to make sure that uh, I don't just be late, you know, uh, that I'm not lazy, that I'm not just sitting around and, and not doing the things I need to continually grow. And I'm 57 years old. Um, I'm looking at retirement in the next, you know, seven years, six years, and I want to be able to travel more, spend time with my wife, do the things that I want. I don't want to stop teaching teaching because I love teaching. Um, I, I, but I want to teach when I want, travel when I want, do what I want to be able to enjoy my life because listen, life is too short. What COVID has shown us, um, you know, other than many things about our government and politicians and, you know, all the, you know, the red tape and all that. But, um, what it showed us is that life is short. Right. And at any given moment, and by the way, it's no different. COVID is no different than, let's say, you know, cancer or, you know, heart disease or 
dying from smoking related illnesses or alcohol addiction or things that take our lives and have been taking our lives since the 1900s on a day-to-day basis, right? In fact, you know, something like, you know, uh, cigarette smoke or secondhand cigarette smoke, um, that takes just as many lives as COVID has done. And it's been doing it for, for, you know, 30, 40, 50 years, right? So we ask ourselves, like, what, what is it? Why do I exist? And I'll leave you with this one thought. And I want you to kind to think about this and you know, why do we exist and what do we want out of life and my dad was a really great instructor on the on that for me he didn't save money he didn't have business sense he was always broke um sweetest guy in the world give you the shirt off his own back he was a happy passive nice guy retired cop had a terrible pension because he took some stupid deal and um and retired early he was um he was the type of guy that would take initially like oh my god you'll give me a ten thousand dollar bonus check if i retire early but i have no cost of living increases oh that sounds like a great deal i'm gonna go buy a boat and that's exactly what he did and then um when my dad passed away after he was gone for about uh, I know four or five years, I got a cost of living increase notice for his pension of 22 cents. The stamp was 45 cents or 48 cents or whatever stamps cost these days. It cost more for the police department to mail that, even though that he had been gone, they were just, you know, the, the, the software was kicking out letters. Um, and he was making as a, and one of the highest paid, uh, departments was Suffolk and Nassau County in New York city. Um, he was making like $260 a year, uh, a week on, uh, or a month was a month, um, in pension ridiculous, right? Like it was just incredible. So he just didn't prepare. So I learned my lessons from him of what not to do. Um, you know, how to think ahead, how to schedule ahead, how to know my numbers, how to surround myself with the people that are the most amazing people in the world. Um, you know, and, uh, seeking out knowledge when I didn't have it, not having an ego to say, well, that's okay. This is just the way I do it. Don't get me wrong. I might've been like that in the early days. Um, but, uh, you know, within the first year or so I shifted my perspective quite quickly. So anyway, I'm going to leave you with that. We're at about 30 minutes. I'm hoping that this video is pretty sharp and clear. Um, there are eight people or 10 people listening right at the moment. My screen on Facebook, I'm looking at it here, keeps freezing for whatever reason, but it looks like my video feed is running smoothly as I talk to you guys. But let me, let me, before I close up, if anybody's on here, would you, if you have a question, Real quickly, just write it into the uh, the comments section and I'll answer it. And if not, if we can't get that done real quick, then I'll sign off and let you guys listen to this podcast again and make notes. But I think that what I've gone over are pretty important little golden nuggets. And I think that that's something that you guys should make note of and then look at your business, evaluate, look at your lives, evaluate and decide on whether you could make some serious changes just in the way you do things so that you have amazing results like you double the quality of your results you could fast track yourself way quicker than you ever thought by having the right mentors peers etc in your life and reading and learning and so on and so forth so anyway, um, Ryan Blanchard wrote, identify the big rocks. And by the way, for people who don't know what that comment means, I think pretty much everyone might, probably does at this point. But um, Stephen Covey, which I use the Franklin Covey planner. I still use the paper planner. I like writing it out every day and following it and checking things off by hand manually. But he has 
many online courses that you can learn from on time management, time, time slicing and organization and prioritization of how to get your day done so that you're always kicking butt. Anyway, guys, thank you so much. Uh, we'll be back, I hope, next week with Dwayne. And uh, we'll talk to you real soon. Arigato gozaimasu. Sayonara. Have a good day. If you have more questions, ask them here. And I'll, I'll look at the feed and I'll constantly try to answer them. But thanks for listening, everybody. I appreciate you really much. Uh, a really great amount of, for, for what you guys do. The loyalty you have to the podcast and to this page. So thank you. Arigato. Sayonara. Take care. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Martial Arts School Owner Talk Podcast. This would not be possible if it weren't for the support of our amazing sponsors. Please check out Elite Insights for all your website needs. LeadHunterMedia.com, your online digital marketer and content provider. Academy Kings BJJ Growth Consulting and Management Group at GrowMyAcademy.com. SparkMembership.com, hands down the best martial arts software for school owner management on the planet. Get KarateStudents.com, a martial arts growth consulting company for all your systems. Add HealthCoaching.com, helping school owners create a whole other revenue stream for their school. We will see you next time.